Good morning. Well, I was talking to Kendrick this morning, your former pastor, and he said, well, let them know that you're a Dodger fan, and then after that, they'll just love you. And he is right. I am a Dodger fan. I'm born and raised here in the LA area, and, uh, and uh, we, every chance we get, we try to go to, to a Dodger game. And so I sent him back a picture of me with my 1988 World Series champion that they just gave away last week. It's, it's, it's not an actual ring, you know, not a gold ring. It's made out of just metal. But, uh, but yeah, we, we are Dodger fans, and I'm your missionary. Uh, I am the executive director for the California Southern Baptist Convention, which means I'm the one that hired Kendrick to come work for us in Fresno, and, uh, and I'll make sure that, and, I, and, and, and I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry for taking them from you, but I believe God's got something um, better for you guys in store. I mean, not that he's not great. I love the guy. That's why I hired him. Uh, I love his spirit, but I, I think the Lord was calling him out, right? And, uh, and so we got to bring him, bring him on board uh, at the state. And I just want to say on behalf of the, the convention, thank you for being a church that supports mission by going, by praying, and by giving through the cooperative program, by giving by the California Missions Offering. Um, thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, and I, and I, just, I just really enjoyed just coming in this morning and just seeing a church that is, is just well cared for. You know, that doesn't happen everywhere I go. Sometimes I go to places and they're just like, the places are falling apart, you know. They, it's like they couldn't agree on what carpet to change or they just left it like that. But you guys have taken care of things very nicely. And uh, your parking lot looks great. Uh, continue to take care of this place. This is the place you come to worship the Lord. Thank you for leading uh, so well. And I saw your worship team being up here prepared to go and, and the greeters and all, all of that. Just continue to do the good work until the Lord brings you that next pastor and then he'll tell you how to go and then you guys continue to follow his lead. Uh, but I, I know the Lord has something great for you. That's not part of my sermon. That's just extra, okay? So don't count it in my 30 minutes that I have to preach, Okay? <laughs> I'm going to do what the other pastors and leaders that have been coming uh, have done. I'm going to continue preaching out of James. And this morning we are in James chapter 2. I was assigned verse 25 and 26. And the title of my sermon today is A Believer of Low Moral Character. A Believer of Low Moral Character. We're talking about Rahab. Okay, Rahab. And we're going to see this passage here in chapter 2, verses 25 and 26. And if you are able to stand, I'm going to invite you to stand as I read this passage, and then I'm going to pray. This is what the Word of God says. And in the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, because it ministers to us, it speaks to us, it guides us, Father. It's able, Father, to, to convict us of how we are to live for you. It gives us, Father, truths that we can stand on. Father, I pray that your word, Father, as it is shared today, Father, through this mouth, Father, that, Father, that you would be the one that speaks. Father, as we have prayed, Father, just 
thanking you, Father, for your spirit, Father, to, to be in this place and to be working, Father, in this place. Father, I pray, work through your sermon. Work, Father, uh, through the scripture. And Father, may you be glorified. Father, that when we leave this place, Father, we, we, have, we leave this place better prepared to live for you. So, Father, I ask these things, Lord God, in the beautiful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. It's a great passage, and I, I really wish I would have been able to preach the Abraham one and included this one because it, they're all kind of together, right? And actually, from chapter 14, this is really just one section. But on here, we see this believer of low moral character, Rahab, Rahab the prostitute, right? And so we're going to get into that this morning. But before that, um, as we're seeing this person of faith, this believer of faith, let me share with you a little bit of my faith experience. Uh, my parents are from Mexico. I was made in Mexico by Mexicans, but I was born in, the, in, in East L.A., okay? So you get that? Made in Mexico by Mexicans, but I was born in East L.A. and raised in, in the San Gabriel Valley, you know, Pico Rivera, uh, Whittier, that area. Where In Whittier, they say the girls are prettier. My girls were born there. My wife was born in La Puente and raised in La Puente. Uh, she's beautiful as well, and she's here with me this, this morning. But being raised there in East L.A., my family was invited to a, a small Baptist church. Uh, right when I was born, my parents were Catholic. Uh, they received Jesus Christ almost immediately. We're, we're, they, I was born in November. By April of next year, that was Easter, they, were, they had been saved. They were baptized. And so I grew up in church knowing you know, all the old hymns and knowing all the offerings of Southern Baptist, everything that there was about Southern Baptist. I mean, I grew up knowing all those things. And when I was five years old, my Sunday school teacher... Uh, she, she presented the gospel to me. I made a profession of faith, and by the time I was nine, I got baptized. Now, what did I understand when I made a profession of faith? Well, I understood what Nicodemus didn't understand in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 3 said, Jesus replied, I assure, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So I was, I was explained by the Sunday school teacher that I needed to be born again that I was a sinner, that I was dead in my sins, and that I needed to be born again. John chapter 3, verses 13 through 18 says that no one has ascended into heaven except for the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. These are the words of, uh, these are the, words of the Lord, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And then we all know John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life for god did not send his son into the world that he might be condemned so that he condemned the world but that the world might be saved through him verse 18 says anyone who believes in him is not condemned but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of god so I, I, at, that, at that young age of five, I understood that I needed to be born again. I understand that I was a sinner. I understood that I needed to believe who Jesus was, that Jesus died, that he resurrected, that he paid for my sins on that cross of Calvary. And at five years old, I was able to understand that I was pretty smart for a five-year-old, right? 
Uh, and, and so I, I understood that much. I did not understand everything that had to do about grace. I, I didn't understand that, that it was by faith alone. I, I didn't understand a lot of those things that I then understood growing up in the church. I remember going to what we called uh, uh, children's church. And in children's church, they would explain a, a story in the Bible, and they would explain being redeemed, and they would explain different things that, that just grew my faith. And many times I remember, I remember rededicating my life to the Lord. Why? Because I was gaining knowledge of who He was and how much He loved me and how He, he, has, he has bought me so that I, I became this believer that was a believer with knowledge, knowledge about what God wanted, knowledge of the depth of, of how how he had saved me. I came to understand passages like Ephesians 2.8. For you're saved by grace through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. I remember when I was asked one time by, by one of the deacons in the church, and I was already like 11, says, what makes you saved? And I'm thinking, well, I said a prayer. Well, I did this. Well, I did that. He says, no, it's grace. It's grace. It's God's gift. It's something you didn't even deserve. It's God's grace. That's what makes you saved. And again, I, I, I became a believer as a young man growing up in this church with great teachers that taught me the Word of God, and I came to understand who the Lord was and what He's done in my life. Every one of us needs to come to that realization. As, as children of God, we, we understand uh, when we first come to faith uh, so much about God, but as we continue to grow, we, become, we, 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 we gain knowledge, knowledge into the depths and the richness and the goodness of God. Again, in that verse 18 of John 3, he says, anyone who believes in me is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. There's a, the, the reality is that there comes a, a moment where we're able to, to believe who God is and we give our lives to God if we don't come to that moment of our lives where we put our faith in God, when we believe in him, then we understand that those people that don't do that, they're outside of saving faith. They're outside of the grace of God. They're the ones that will experience the wrath of God, right? But this lowly, this, this woman of low moral character, she landed on the right side. She believed. She believed. She didn't know about Jesus, of course, but she believed in God. And it's wonderful when we come to the point where we believe in God. For us today, we have the Holy Spirit that works, right? We have His Word, we have the church that speaks about the truth about who God is, and we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand who God is. Mark chapter 3, verses 28 and 29 says, I assure you, people will be forgiven for all sins, and whatever blasphemes they, they may blaspheme, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of eternal sin. Whoever rejects the work of God and, and says that's the work of the devil, whoever, whoever rejects the work of God, that, the work of Christ on the cross and, and his sacrifice for us, whoever rejects the testimony of the Holy Spirit and does not believe that person will not be forgiven. But all the other sins will be forgiven by the Lord. He'll forgive you. Doesn't matter how bad you were, He will forgive you. 
except if you reject the testimony of the Holy Spirit. And how, how do we come to this faith? Well, we come to this faith when he, when he works in us that we may believe, and then there's a confession that we make. We, pastors say it all the time when they do the invitation. The invitation's here at the beginning. If you want to believe, today's the day you can make this confession. We find it in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 10, verses 8 and 10. It says, on the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you in your mouth and in your hearts. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. And so at Southern Baptist, you remember back in the days when we did altar calls? Billy Graham used to do those, right? Young people don't even know who Billy Graham is. But, but you know, but back in the day, man, you know, come and just, all you have to do is confess and believe. Confess and believe. Confess Jesus as Lord, believing in your heart that God raised them from the dead and you are saved. And all kinds of people said that prayer. And we said, you're saved based on your confession. And that's what we believe, that God, 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 God allows people to come and make this confession that is true and genuine from their heart. And when that happens, God does a transforming work. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed. And look, new things have come. And so we, 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 we make a confession of faith. God does a transforming work in us. And then he expects a change in us, right? We can't stay the same. There's a parable that we find in Luke chapter 13 and verses 6 through 9. This is what the parable says. And he, took, and he told him this parable. Jesus told him this parable. A man had a fig tree that was planted in a vineyard. This is talking about, about God, about, about a vineyard. The vineyard is, is his people. He came looking for fruit on it and found, found none. God comes looking for his children and looking for fruit to be produced by them. He told, he told the vineyard worker, the vineyard worker here is Jesus, says, listen, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it even waste soil? But he replied to him, sir, leave it this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. Perhaps it will bear fruit next year. But if not, you can cut it down. And we're expected to, to bear fruit. And, the, and what does this fruit look like? Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, and goodness. Faith. I, I, I went in a different order. I memorized it in a different one. And self-control. Against these things there is no law. And so, folks, every, every one of us that have come to faith must must must. At one point, confess. At one point, uh, we, we have this transformation. Whether the transformation happens before we confess or not, that, that's for theologians to discuss till the Lord comes. But, but then the fruit that is produced, expected from God, and this fruit is, is, is consistent to the fruit of the Spirit. 
Can I tell you that this believer of low moral character had this in her life? And if we are, are, are believers in the Lord, then we must have them the same. That's, that's the introduction. I don't know how fast I went, but here, come, here comes the, the, the we're going to get into this text now, okay? Um, and I'm going to make four observations from here. I'm not the typical Southern Baptist. I like, they only do three. I'm going to have four observations, so you have to listen really quickly, okay? Because uh, I know you guys have to go get lunch. Um, but what we find here in this, in this passage here is the, the first thing we find here is that work and faith are evidence of belief. Again, there's that fruit that needs to be there. Works and faith are evidence of belief. We, we have seen this here in this passage over and over again. In verse 17, in the same way faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. Verse 21, wasn't Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? And then here in verse 25, and in the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by different routes? We see the demonstrations of her work of faith in two ways in this verse. She said she received the messengers, and then she sent them out. And she didn't send them out just to go get killed. She sent them out safely. She sent them out safely. So every believer must have demonstration in their life that they are believers. There must be works that accompany this belief that we have, this justification that God has done in our life where He's made us righteous with God the Father because of our faith in Him via His sacrifice, by His grace that He has given. The question is, where do we find in this passage that she actually had faith in God, other than just her actions. Well, we can't just look at this passage. We have to look at other passages. In Joshua chapter 2, we find the story of this woman, this, this woman of low character, this believer. And this is what she says in Joshua chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. It says, Before the men fell asleep, and these were the, 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 the spies that were sent in. She went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us. Everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did at Salon and Ong, the two Amorite kings you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart, and everyone's courage failed because of you. Now listen to this. This is her confession of faith. For the Lord your God is the God in heaven and above and on earth below. This is her confession of faith. This is her, her, her profession of who God is and who she believed that their God was. Now, she doesn't say, he's mine, but she's letting them know by her actions that he, he is her God as well now. Some might say, well, maybe it was fear. I, I don't think so. God revealed himself to her. 
by the things that he did with his people. And she believed in this God, and she proclaimed them the Lord God of heaven above and the earth below. See, but James, again, is not the only one that let, I mean, Joshua is not the only one that lets us know about his faith. We also see it in the book of Hebrews. Now, in the book of Hebrews, we have the, what we call the Hall of Fame in chapter 11 of Hebrews. And in there, we find Abraham, the friend of God that you guys learned about last week, right? In, in verse 8, it says, by faith of Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and went out to a place he was going to receive an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. He did this by faith. Verse 17 of Hebrews says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises when he was offering his unique son. By faith, right? Because he believed in God. Similarly, in verse 31, it tells us about Rahab. By faith, the prostitute received the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. Now, we also find Rahab in the lineage of Jesus. Yeah, he's, she's back there as a great-grandmother in that lineage of Jesus. So she, she, she not only, be, by faith, sent, uh, protected the messengers and then sent them out, but she kept the faith. She confessed her faith, and she kept the faith, and she continues to serve, and she is seen here in, in this place. And, and, and it is said about this that, verse 26, for just as the body is without, without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is death. And what we see in her is that her faith is alive. She has works. The day my, my spirit leaves this body, I will be present before the Lord. Amen? Because I believe in Jesus. And my body will be dead. You can burn it, bury it, uh, you can do whatever you want with it. Donate it. I, I don't care. When the Spirit is gone, I'll be present with the Lord. My Spirit will be there with Him. And somehow one day He's going to bring up a resurrected body. It ain't going to have any pain, any pimples, nothing like that, right? No gray hair, hopefully. It'll be nice. It'll be a beautiful body. That'll be a glorified body. We understand that. But we also understand that a faith that is worth something, has works. Because without the works, that faith is dead. And so he just makes this, this final statement that is very truthful, but it, it's powerful. It's powerful. And she demonstrates her faith by her works. But the question that I want you to ask yourselves now is, why would James put Rahab who he calls the prostitute. Some other versions of the Bible call her the innkeeper in different passages. Here, he calls her the prostitute. And in Hebrew, she is also known as the prostitute. Why would he put next to Abraham, the friend of God, the patriarch of the Jewish nation, why would he put Rahab, this believer of low moral character, next to him? Well, here's my second observation. Faith is demonstrated by all types of believers, because faith is demonstrated by all kinds of believers. What he's trying to let us know is that all believers are capable of acting out their faith. It doesn't matter where you came from. Once you put your faith in Jesus, you are useful 
to him, you can act out your life of faith from that moment on. You remember there was a criminal that was hanging next to Jesus? You remember the, the things he did? No, we weren't told what he did. We were just told he was a thief, a criminal. He was such a, he was so, such a bad thief that they hung him on a cross. I mean, only the worst criminals were hung on a cross. What was his testimony? Luke says to us in verses 40, 40, uh, chapter 23, verse 42 and 43, that he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. His, conf- his, his confession and his good works happen at the same time. And guess what? He died and then he woke up and he was with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Believers come to salvation through many ways. The patriarchs came through one way. The prophets came through others. Tax collectors came through others. Prostitutes, priests, women like Rahab. Women that had multiple husbands. You remember the woman at the well? How she came to Jesus? By Jesus inappropriately, you know, quote, coming to her and speaking to her when he should never have spoken to her. But yet, That's what the gospel does. That's what the Lord does. He doesn't wait for the appropriate time. In season and out of season, the gospel is to be shared and people come to believe. And it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you were before. But once you come to believe, we find Romans 8.1 to be true that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that nothing or no one can separate us from the love of God, from the grace of God that He has bestowed on us the moment that we are saved. All types of believers come. They come with the history, with the past, and God forgives. God forgives. He makes a new creation. He makes us he, he makes us his children. We go from being creation to being his children. And he doesn't look at our past anymore and, and doesn't call us by our past anymore. Uh, he doesn't call us like Rahab the prostitute or, 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 or Jimmy the crook. That's not who you are anymore. You're now a child of God. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A people acquired by God, amen? He sees a new beginning in your life, and He knows what you will be. We see, we, we, we see as the church, we see the works. Sometimes we see the, the people come and make a, a confession of faith, but sometimes we see the people come and raise their hands. Sometimes we see, where's the baptistry? You guys are Baptists, right? It's back there. Why don't you guys hide it? You guys should use it. You know, we see, we, see, we see the baptistry get used as, as, as our testimony of what God has already done inside of us, right? And we judge based on that. We judge based on those things. We think, that's a believer. And he acts like a Christian. He even has a hair like a Christian, you know? Your worship leader has the hair like Jesus maybe would have had it, right? <laughs> Doesn't make an animal holy. We, we judge, we, we judge certain things. But I want to make the third observation here. 
The believer's righteousness is not determined by us. The believer's righteousness is not determined by us. Even though she had this, this title given to her so that we can identify Rahab the prostitute, we have to understand that, that the believer's righteousness is not determined by us and by what we see externally. You remember the song? I'm not going to sing it or else I'll offend your ears and then you'll leave. But this is what the song used to say. When I get to heaven, I'm going to walk with Jesus. When I get to heaven, I'm going to see his face. When I get to heaven, I'm going to talk with Jesus, saved by his wonderful grace, because I'm saved, saved, wonderfully saved, and I'm so glad I am. Right? Hallelujah. And, and, and so this, this song is, is, is wonderful. We're going to get there. And can I tell you that when we get to heaven, we're going to be shocked by some of the people we're going to find in heaven? Especially when we judge people in a certain way, we're going to be shocked by some of the people that we find there. I found this psalm, I mean this, this poem. It says, I was shocked, confused, bewildered as I entered heaven's door. Not by the beauty of it all, nor the decor, but the lights or its decor. But it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp. The thief, the liar, the sinner, the alcoholic, and the trash. There stood the kid from seventh grade who swiped my lunch money twice. Next to him was, this, was my old neighbor who never said anything nice. Herb, who was always... Who, always, who, always thought was, was rotting, who I always thought was rotting away in hell, was sitting pretty on cloud nine, looking incredibly well. I nudged Jesus. What's the deal? I would love to hear your take. He must have been Baptist. They always ask questions. <laughs> How did all the sinners get here, up here? God must have made a mistake. And why... Why is everyone so quiet, so somber? Give me a clue. Hush, child, he said. They're all in shock. No one thought that they would be seeing you here. (laughs) Judge not. Remember, just going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. We need to be cautious. You know, we see the hand, we see the baptism, we see a lot of things, and we say, this one is for sure saved. I, I, I remember watching the movie Left Behind, and, and in that movie Left Behind, it must, one of the newer ones, uh, uh, the associate pastor gets left behind. We look at the works, and we judge based on the works, and the, the works help us to see the character of the person, Right? But we're not the judge that says who's saved and who's not. Scripture tells us in Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2, do not judge so that you won't be judged. For with, for with the judgment you use, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I mean, when we look at our actions, we would say, okay, these were good. We, we might even judge them incorrectly. But the Lord knew her heart and she was saved. And she is found in Scripture as mentioned here as a believer, as a woman of faith. The reality is this last observation I want to make 
is that the testimony of the believer's faith is messy. The testimony of the believer's faith is messy. Now, again, here's this woman that was this prostitute. She was probably the head of the innkeeper. She knew exactly where to hide guys. Um, she hid these, these, these spies that came in. Uh, she put her life in jeopardy by, by, by doing so. Uh, but she did it because she believed that, that, that their God was the God of heaven and the God of, uh, 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 of, of all. She, she put her faith in him. She, then she lied. Do you guys know that? She lied? It's messy. She lied. When they came in looking for the spies, she lied and she told them, Ah, oh, yeah, you guys should go out. They just left and, and, and go looking for them. You know, take your, take your donkeys, go out there. And, you know, she lied. We're so quickly, nah, that's a liar. Don't, don't bring him around here. He's, he's not a Christian. How could, he, how could he be a Christian if he does that? Again, the testimony of a believer's faith many times is messy. And yet we're so quick to judge. Didn't Abraham lie? Oh, no, no, that's my sister. Sarah's my sister. That was his wife. He was scared for his own life. The, really, the reality is that we come to faith, we come to faith in Jesus, and yet our lives are still messy, we still sin, we have the battle within us that, that we struggle with. We have pride, we, 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 we covet certain things, and, and we struggle, and our testimony many times is one of, of that we've fallen away from, from following God. We, we, we've sinned before God, we're, we're foolish in the way that we live instead of being faithful and following the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit and living out the fruit of the Spirit. And, and our lives are messy, and we, we mess up many times. And so what I'm saying is, guys, we, we need to understand that just as the Lord gives grace, we need to give grace. And sometimes... The person we have to give the most grace to is ourselves when we fail. When we look at the letter of John, the first letter of John, he, he writes on there, if anyone thinks that he is without sin, folks, we've all, we all sin. We sin every day. Or at least good Baptists like me. We sin every day. But the Holy Spirit comes and does his work in me, and he convicts me of my sin. 1 John 1, 9 says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what we must do. We must come and we confess our sin to the Lord. We say, Lord, I agree. I have failed you. And it's not just like, Lord, I agree. I have failed you. Uh, uh, tomorrow I'm going to do that this again. That's, that's not called repentance. That's just being sorry for being caught. That's conviction. But repentance is when you say, Lord, I'm sorry for, for sinning against you. Father, I will not do that again. I will now do this to bring you glory. It, 
might be messy, but it doesn't mean we continue to do the same sin over and over again. We agree with God and we change the direction and we repent of our sins. And that's what we saw in this woman. She might have been this and she might have been still doing that work when these spies came. But guess what? She stopped. She repented. She walked with the Lord and that's what each one of us need to do. There's two kinds of people here in this place today. There are people here today that have the Holy Spirit working in their hearts saying, hey, you have the sin in your life. You're living in this way and you need to repent of your sin. I don't know what that sin is, but the Lord and you know what that sin is. Can I tell you that today is the day you need to agree with the Lord and say, Lord, I know that I'm failing you here. Lord, change me. Change my heart. I don't want to be this way anymore. Father, let me live for you. And that's what you need to do today. You need to get yourself right with the Lord today. But then there's a second type of person that's here, because I guarantee you, if the Lord were to come today for his church, not all of us will be going with him. There's got to be in this room at least a couple people that I guarantee you, you're not going Because you might know who Jesus is, but you have not placed your faith in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. You might come to church thinking, well, maybe I'll become a believer. Church isn't going to do it. It's got to be your faith that you place in Jesus that's going to do it. Because Scripture tells us in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin, each one of our sins, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You have to put your faith in Jesus. You have to confess Him as Lord of your life. You have to believe that His sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, and that alone is the only thing that will save you, not Jesus and anything else. And when you do that, You get to be on the other side where the Holy Spirit then indwells you, where the Holy Spirit then comes into your life and He does that transformation in you so that you can begin to live and walk for Him. But until you make that decision, you're not under grace and God's love and protection. You're under God's wrath. And I'm going to finish with these two passages. It says in Matthew 25, 41, what happens to those people that are going to be under that wrath? He says, then he will also say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Right now, people that have died without putting their faith in Jesus for the salvation of their soul, that they're in the Sheol, they're, it's, it's, they're in the Hades, they're in this place of, of, of holding, it's a place of suffering, it's a place of, te- of pain, it's a place away from the presence and the, and the love of God because of their sin. But one day, he, God will create a hell, and this is what it says in Romans 20, Verse 10 about this place. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire that's, and sulfur where the beast and the false prophets are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. It 
if you're not under God's grace and you're still under His wrath because of your sin, you need to give your life to Jesus today. There's no guarantee that tomorrow you have life. There's no guarantee that you're going to make it out to lunch today. But the Lord is making it clear to you that He loves you, that He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for you, that if today you give your life to Him, that you can be saved. And no one's going to judge you on it. It's only you and the Lord. The Lord knows. The Lord's going to know. Now, if you share it with us, guess what we're going to do? We're going to celebrate. Because Scripture tells us that when one sinner gives their life to Jesus, the angels celebrate. So Baptists must celebrate as well. You might not know you're Baptist, but, you know, just, you don't dance, just wave your hands, you know. If I shake a hand, dance if you want. But if you give your life to Jesus today, it's going to be the most awesome thing, because today you will be born again. You're going to be born again. Let me pray. With our head bowed and our eyes closed, if today is the day where the Lord has just put a conviction in your heart that you need to repent of a certain sin, would you just spend this time right now, right where you're at, asking God to forgive you? But not just asking Him to forgive you for that sin and to cleanse you of that unrighteousness, but will you let Him know, Father, I agree with you, I need to stop, and, I, and Father, I ask that you do everything in me so that I change and I begin to walk in the way that you want me to walk. Father, I want to have repentance, and I want that repentance to have me living in a different way, to demonstrate, Father, the works, the works of righteousness in my life. Will you just pray that prayer to the Lord? Whatever that sin is, you know it. You don't need to confess it to anyone else but to the Lord. But if you're here this morning, and the Lord has spoken to you, And you know that you are not under his grace, but you're under his wrath. And today you want to give your life to Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to come up to the front. I will ask you, will you just raise your hand and let me know that at this moment you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to put your faith in Jesus. That you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. That Jesus loves you. And that today you want to accept him as the Lord and Savior of your life. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand back there. Anybody else? I see your hand, young man. I see your hand back there. Right where you're at, those of you that raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer to the Lord. It's a, it's a confession of faith from your mouth to him. And he hears you right where you're at. And will you just tell him, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And at this moment, I come and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus came, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, that he paid for my sins, and that he rose from the dead, and that when I die one day, I will rise from the dead with him because I put my faith in Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for grace. Father, help me to live for you. Today, Lord, I ask you to save me. If that is your prayer this morning, that was your prayer, can I tell you that on the authority of Scripture, today you became 
not just the creation of God, but the child of God, a child of inheritance. You will walk with him one day in heaven. You will be before his presence, and he will receive you as his own. And today is the day of salvation of your life. Will you share that with somebody as you walk out of this place? Do not keep it to yourself, because Satan, the deceiver, will try to convince you otherwise. But today, you begin to demonstrate these works of righteousness, these works of salvation, by letting others know what God has done in you. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the, for the salvation, Father, that you've given, Lord God, to these that raised their hand, Father. These that said, Father, Lord, save me. I want to be under grace. I don't want to be under wrath. Father, I pray that these four that raised their hand, Father, this morning, that they would come to know you every day more and more. That today you have given them life, Father. You have, they have been born again, Father. And that they would continue to understand, Father, your, the depthness of your love, the depthness of your grace, the righteousness, Father, that they have before you, all because of them placing their faith in you, dear God, in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, may the Holy Spirit continue to work in them mightily. And in this church, Father, I pray, that you would bless them every day. Continue, Father, to show them, Father, what you have for them in the future and how good you are. We ask these things, Lord God, in the name that is above all names, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Have a great, wonderful uh, Sunday afternoon. Let's worship.